All right, so who is the center here? Jesus. And the Father is wanting him to be glorified. That means that the whole world would recognize who he is, the creator, the one who brought salvation, the very image of God, the invisible God, made known to us in flesh. The firstborn, the one who has all authority and all rights and privileges, and because he created all things in heaven and on earth. And he's before all things. In verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Okay, so this is what we're trying to do in the world when we think of missions is we want to let everyone know he is preeminent. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the firstborn. He's everything. And we want him to be glorified. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on, you know, reconciling all things to himself. That's what we're doing when we go out in mission. When we do mission locally and, and worldwide. We are being involved in the process of sharing how everyone can be reconciled to Jesus through what he did on the cross. And it's not only things, look what it says, things in, on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross, all things. He's even going to be redeeming the earth someday, completely. It's going to be coming back and making things right. Verse 21, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right, so that just gives us this basis on which we do missions, point B there, that Christ would be glorified in his church. And then let her see that Christ would be glorified through the two roles of the church in world missions. All right, now I want you to flip over to 3 John. John is the apostle known as, uh, especially the apostle of love, that uh, he talks a lot about loving one another because he experienced the love of Christ, perhaps the closest human person to the Lord when the Lord was on the earth. And starting in John... 3 John, in verse 1, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved or much loved people, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Let me just um, make a couple comments. Here we find John's 
Now we're going to look at, he's going to give advice and encouragement to his friend Gaius about how to live the Christian life and how the church should conduct itself. This is a little bit of a review because we have looked at 3 John before when we were thinking of missions. But I want to bring out a couple additional points this morning. John has been encouraged by a, by a report from some brothers who had returned from the church where Gaius is a member, and they brought a good report back of Gaius' spiritual health and the church's. Now let's look and see two specific actions regarding missions that are commended here as evidence of a love of God's name and faithfulness to his work. All right, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the goers, the people who are sent, the missionaries, and the senders, those who are sending them, the local church. All right, and so picking up in verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. All right, I want to just emphasize verse 7. For they have gone out for the sake of of the name. That's an important part of the verse, part of this whole section. And then picking verse 8, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is not from God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself and also we also add our testimony and know that our testimony is true. All right, <clears throat> goers and senders. Let's look at some characteristics of those who are going um, and what John says about them to Gaius. We see that <clears throat> John mentions these two things. Um, first of all, they went out. They had intentionally left the place they were living and moved or traveled to another place. That's verse 7. They went out, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. All right, now these are itinerant. They were itinerant um, teachers, missionaries. They were going from one church, and they were on a missionary effort to help bring the gospel to other places and to teach. And... They went out. They left where, where they were comfortable. And the reason they went out was they didn't, um, they didn't go because of love of travel. It says, doesn't say that. They didn't go out because their business forced them to re relocate. Um, not that 
Missionaries sometimes are already in business and traveling the world. Can't be missionaries. Sometimes that dovetails really well together. But the motivation is to be bringing the gospel. They didn't go out because they were curious about other cultures. Sometimes people will go out for those reasons and travel to another country. They didn't necessarily long for adventure. But they went out for the sake of the name. That's what it says in verse 7. Again, thinking of that we want God to be glorified, that's our focus in missions. And they went out for the sake of the name. They longed to bring glory to the name of Christ, and they longed to see people come to know Christ and to worship him. All right, so they went out. That was one of the characteristics. And then another one, they took no help from unbelievers. In verse 7, it also says, they accepted nothing from the Gentiles. Okay, thinking of the context, Jews and Gentiles, usually the word Gentiles has to do with those who don't know Christ. And <clears throat> so the idea here is that when they went out, they didn't necessarily take support from the people that they were ministering to, to present the gospel and the teaching to, but they had support from those who sent them. That's the idea here. They were not peddling the word of God, or there wasn't even any um, thought of this, or motivate, or no one could even accuse them. Often Paul would be accused of peddling the gospel to, as some were during Paul's day, they were actually going out and they were using it as a means to gain for themselves. Their motivation wasn't right. And um, so here, these people had no wrong motivations. It was very clear. They were being supported entirely by people who were sending them. And so there was no charge involved. They were not charging a fee for the gospel. And I wanted to, um, that was one of the things as Kathy and I in our missionary days we always went to people free. We never received money from people that we were ministering to. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have salary coming from any of them. We were always sent. Real Hope Church sent us and other churches and, and lots of individuals and families were part of our mission, part of our team. And um, they were sending and we were going. But um, we always presented the gospel and presented teaching in our ministry free of charge. So I can really relate to this. And there's just something special about doing that because there's no, people just don't get the wrong impression. You're just giving. Going out for the sake of the name is a special ministry that the church confers on individuals in which John commends highly. That's what he's doing here. So when it's done for the glory of God, it works to expand the knowledge of his truth, and brings pleasure to God. So goers. All right, now those sending, let's look at that a little bit, what he says about the senders. This is um, in your notes on page two, the senders, those who send, supporting missions for the sake of the name. In verse eight, he says, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. All right, going is good, and we rightly honor those who go, but we should not think less of those staying. The Bible assumes that most people will not go, but they will be senders. 
And they will have ministry locally where they are, and then they will also, you know, we should uh, be sending. It's, it's sending is a God-honoring thing to do, and, and it's not secondary to going. You know, sometimes we elevate missionaries and, you know, we hold them kind of on a pedestal, but we shouldn't do that because goers and senders are doing it together. It's teamwork, and there's nothing less honorable or less important on the part of the senders than there is on the part of those who go. So both are needed. And that was another thing Kathy and I always wanted to emphasize that. It's a team effort. We could never have done the things we did when we went if people hadn't sent us. They were praying. They were giving financially. They were encouraging. They were supporting when we went back home, loving, caring. Um, just It was a team. We always had a team with us. You were part of that team. And that just meant the world. And it was, it was what made it possible for us together to do this sort of thing. And that's what he's talking about here, that we need to support those kind of people who go because we do this together. So um, sending, a very important part. Now, they went out with a call. They went deliberately, intentionally, and lovingly went, and uh, lovingly, intentionally were supported by those who sent them to spread the gospel. Now, they were commanded not only to support and show hospitality to the workers, but they were to do it in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is important. You know, again, pointing back to everything should be to the glory of God. That's what we're trying to do in missions. That's one of the things that I've been learning even more about as we've been going through this missions class together, um, studying and teaching and listening to the others who are teach, teaching. It's been very encouraging and motivating for me to remember and to think and to focus more on that it's for the glory of God. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Now, just going shows a desire to glorify the name. So does sending. It demonstrates in a tangible way our love for God and for his mission, and that our priorities are right. Look at how Paul um, views the sacrifices made by the church in Philippi. I want us to turn now to our third text, um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek for the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In, uh, to our God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now such support often is, is given quietly and, and it's not seen. It's not as visible as the ones who go. But... 
Paul indicates that God is seeing it. And here he says that he's seeking this credit that God is going to give to people who are sending. And this was one of the things, too, that Kathy and I often were motivated by. Um, sometimes it's hard for missionaries to build a support team because they need the finances, they need the prayer, they need that support in order to go. But sometimes it feels like you're, I almost can use the word begging, you're asking people to give to you they're giving often sacrificially so that you can go and do that. And you just have to be careful about how you think about it, both the senders and the people who go. And the motivation should be, and I think we tried to focus ourselves on this, and we would mention it often too, that we were not necessarily seeking the gift. Although we needed the finances, we needed the prayer to go, but we wanted the focus to be that God would give back to the people who were giving to us in many different ways. And this is the profit that would increase to their account. That's what he's talking about here. And so this was a great motivation for us because it's like we were having a ministry in people's lives who were sending because it gave God an opportunity to bless them in a way that was unique and different than perhaps they would have had in other ways. And we would have people come up to us, you know, we would be traveling around with people, and they'd say, we're so excited about what God is doing in this part of the world. We were in Russia, and sometimes in the past we were working in China and South Korea and the Philippines and all these different places where they would say, you know, we're having a ministry with you, and we've never even gone there. And they got so excited about that. And boy, that was fun to see and exciting for us. But, you know, God was blessing them and doing some things. And they had a chance to be involved in worldwide missions, never having gone to these places. But they'd pray for these people. They saw lives changed. They saw the gospel going and penetrating and changing cultures as people were changed. And they were just having a part. And they really got that idea and that vision. And so this was part of it. And I believe God blessed them financially in many cases. I believe he blessed their families, blessed them spiritually in their walks with God. He blessed them um, in so many ways by being a part, as he was blessing us and blessing the people that we were going to. So it's just part of God's plan, the, the missionary plan that God has is it's just wonderful and it's so exciting when we do it right and we do it together. All right, so <clears throat> now the enemies. <clears throat> so we looked a little bit at the goers, the senders, and there are some enemies. And I don't want to take a long time on this because we've touched on this a little bit already, but some people for various reasons have no love for those who are sent. They have no love to be for the senders, or to be involved in the whole process. They have no desire to send or to be sent, and sometimes even actively oppose. And that's what Demetrius was doing here in 3 John 9. <clears throat> and just flip back again to 3 John, and um, let's look at a couple verses again to highlight here. Demetrius, he was causing some problems 
because he had wrong motives. In verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Demetrius, or excuse me, Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Not content with that, he refuses to welcome these brothers who were traveling as missionaries, and he also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. All right, so he had a prideful attitude. It says here that he wanted to be first. Um, he wanted attention to be pointing at himself rather than pointing toward Christ and Christ being glorified. He was gossiping and maligning the brothers. There was a competition kind of attitude. He was pushing himself forward, and he was preventing what God was trying to do by stopping these people. So sometimes there's opposition. And he was even doing it in kind of a spiritual manner inside the church, you know, maybe trying to look spiritual about it. Now, I doubt that anyone here or in most churches are characterized um, in this way. But I think sometimes we can be a little bit apathetic. This is another, I wouldn't say necessarily opposition, but it's not helping. And I even find that attitude in myself. Um, it's been more difficult to, frankly, to be focused outside of this part of the world like we were when we were in another part of the world. So I need to be more careful to not be apathetic about missionary efforts. And I'm finding that this class has really challenged me in this way, to be thinking more about that. It was a lot easier when we were there. And maybe you find yourselves that way too. So um, we just need to be thinking about the world out there. And we need to do, uh, make good investments um, with our heart, not loving ourselves or where we are or the things around us more than we love um, God's missionary effort to reach the world with Christ. All right, so as we come to just let's uh, think about, so what does this mean for us? Okay, and try to kind of bring that down to home now. So we think about senders and those who go, those uh, who go, and um, especially as we think of those two things, where do we fit, and what does it mean for us? As a church, we need to be faithful in the going and the sending. So what is your responsibility personally? Maybe that's a um, question that's kind of bring it down to home for you and for me. As we think of in light of God's missionary passion, does your desire to bring glory to God prompt you to think about a personal active involvement in missions? All right, And especially I'm thinking again, as we think of world missions, cross-cultural missions, especially in areas of the world where the gospel either has not gone at all yet or very little. Consider what God's event, uh, evangelistic imperative is for you in sharing the gospel. And think of it in terms of the activities that you are involved in now and what opportunities you have 
and what your lifestyle is now. Consciously plan and live deliberately. I guess that's kind of bringing it down to being aware of the choices that we make. You know, how how we spend our time, how we spend our resources, where are our priorities? And I've really had to think about this for myself again. Um, As I'm... We're living here right now. You know, what role do we have in world missions right now? Today, tomorrow, next month, and so on. And, you know, one of the ways is are we to be a goer, all right? And Kathy and I have been goers in the past, and now we're probably more on the sender side of things. So... You know, it's just been sort of different. We were goers for 35 years, and now we're senders. And um, it's just uh, sitting on the other side. So that's kind of been interesting for us. Consider, you know, one of the things you could consider is a short-term mission trip. Um, We've seen this in our own lives, um, and we've seen it in others, that if you just have a heart for missions, or you want to just see what it's like, or you just want to experience uh, or be motivated a little bit more in this area, just consider doing something short-term, a one-week trip, a two-week trip, something short. Now, we've done that a lot here at Real Hope. That's one of the things that's been fun to be a part of this church because it's really been a sending church. I mean, we had trips to Guatemala, trips to Ecuador, and um, we had that trip recently to Cuba, which had to be canceled. And then we've got people who are on short-term that are getting longer-term trips right now, Levi um, Brill, um, now in Cambodia. And, um, you know, just consider some possibilities uh, that that are out there. Um, From time to time, we have these uh, offered. Ask yourself, are there things preventing you from going? You know... um, and then another thing you can do is talk to people who have gone. You know, be involved when they come back. Like, I'm just excited when Levi gets back. I just want to pick his brain a little bit more and see what it was like. You know, just um, fun to hear. And another thing you can do to develop um, and explore a little bit about going is read some good books on missions. Read some biographies and autobiographies about missionaries. Um, This is one thing that Sarah and Russell are doing with their kids already. They're reading through a whole series. Um, They're designed for younger children on missionaries from the past. And they're learning, um, and it's really fun. They're just real life stories, all, you know, um, just things they did, how they live, what what happened, and um, it's very motivating. Um, One of the life-changing for me books that I read years ago was uh, the biography uh, Dawson Trotman, who started and founded the Navigators. It's called Dawes. That was his nickname. And it tells in that book about Henrietta Mears and the ministry that she had in um, uh, Los Angeles Presbyterian Church. And um, it involved uh, Billy Graham Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade, or Crew as it's called now, and Dawson Trotman, who founded the Navigators. Those three guys were friends. 
And they were all part of this church in the early years when God put a call on their life. And as I read through that, they used to ride around Los Angeles on motorcycles. Um, they were just ordinary people. And they would gather together, the, the three or four, and they would go on these little retreats, and they would take world map out, and they prayed over the map. And I just was really touched by this. It was part of what God, how God called me when I first went overseas, um, just thinking about how God just, they were just ordinary people. And we often hold them up on pedestals, and they were wonderful, but they walked with God. They just trusted him, and he did great things in and through them. So read some books. It'll just really motivate you. All right, how about sending? Being informed and engaged with the missionaries that we support. That's probably one of the best ways that we can be involved in the sending side. We're in the process right now of um, building a new board out there, um, that's part of the reason we wanted to move, not the only reason, but we wanted to move the welcome table over to the side, was we want to dress up that area, because we want missions to be a focus. We're trying to really emphasize more uh, about missions here at Real Hope, and help us all to be thinking about and involved more and more with missions, but get involved. Um, read some of the letters. You know, we've been getting some things back um, from the votes. They uh, have been really writing. They're the, um, Chris and Rebecca and their six children are in um, France, and they're almost now ready to leave for Chad, finishing their first year of language study. And um, it's just so fun to be involved with them. I don't know if you're getting their letters or not. If you're not, you can. And um, we'll be having more on the board back there about them, too. But they're going to a relatively unreached people group in Chad in Africa. And uh, uh, it, it's just get engaged. That's what I'm trying to say. I have been more um, getting engaged with them. Uh, in the past, I have not been as much. But uh, I don't know if you know, Sarah was roommates with Rebecca at Wheaton College, so we go back a long time, especially Russell and Sarah do, um, and then uh, have followed them as they got married, and we knew Chris, Kathy and I met both of them, and when they were still at Wheaton, and got married, and so on. So, but anyway, it's fun just to be a part of somebody, especially that we know, and you can get to know them that way, too. And then praying regularly for them. I'm trying to just Especially when they send a letter to pray through the prayer requests. This is a way that we can be involved in sending. Another one is maintaining con uh, uh, contact with them. When they send a letter out, and I've been doing this with Levi too, is I'll write back an email right away. Just say, hey, and we're praying for you as a church. We're so excited about what God's doing in your life and what he's doing through your life. And um, we're partners, you know, just let them know we're here, that we're praying, we, we care about them, we're just engaged with them and supporting them actively. And this is a way we can be involved in sending. So I just want to encourage us to do that. Now, corporately, as a church, what about our life together as a church? What implications does God's word have for us in... Uh, this, we should make sure 
that the nature of our care is not shoddy or halfway done, but is in a manner, like we looked at here, what John is saying, do it in a manner worthy of the Lord. All right? And we're trying to glorify him, not only in helping <clears throat> reach the world, but we're trying to glorify him in the process. So as senders, as a church, how can we do that? Well, I think even just talking about it together, studying it together, and um, encouraging each other to just be focused outward, it just helps us to communicate to each other and to the world around us the degree at which we hold God's missionary calling and his missionary heart up and say, he loves the world, and we want to be involved in that, and we want to glorify him in the process. So we want to do it in a really excellent way, caring for the needs of the people when they come back. This is a way we can do this. Again, when, when they come back into our midst, I think we just really need to sort of bend over backwards to support, to encourage, to tell them thank you, and just to get be engaged with them. Periodically make a trip to visit them. This is a, a way I think we as elders have been recently talking more about that, that some of the elders and maybe others would go to visit some of the missionaries that we support. And this is a, a way that we experienced when we were over. We had uh, some churches sent people to visit us. And boy, is that, that's really encouraging. Um, maybe you would like to even do that or be involved in that. We want to, as a church, be supporting better and better in, in this whole mission effort. You know, um, I think uh, as we think of the ladies who are going to go to Russia for, I'm thinking of uh, the missionary effort with the orphans. God especially talks about orphans in, in the scriptures. Orphans and widows are very close to his heart. And uh, as the ladies go soon this summer to um, Russia. This is a really a great opportunity for a short-term mission trip, and it's going to be a, play, a time for us as church to actually be impacting orphans with the gospel and the love of Christ, and we don't even, we're not going, we're sending, you know, but, but those who are going are going to have a rich experience doing this, and <clears throat> um, wonderful to do that. Um, and we just want to be doing more and more. Uh, the missionary wall I mentioned. Sunday mornings, um, we've talked about we're, we want to do a little bit more on Sunday mornings in the way of videos, bringing to before, the, before all of us, you know, the, those that we support. And so that we kind of keep missions in the forefront more and more. We want to just do that. Kind of bringing this to a, a summary here. As we think of the world, thousands of people groups have not yet had a chance to hear the gospel. I don't know if that motivates you, but it, it really grips me. So if we're not goers, we need to be thinking of ourselves as senders. We just need to be involved in reaching the world. And in light of these scriptures we looked at this morning, just asking 
yourself, how can, how am I, how am I doing? And how am I involved in going and sending? What part am I playing? What, how can we better as a church do this and be involved in these things? Shortly before he and his four friends were killed by the Aka Indians in Ecuador in their attempt to bring the gospel to them, missionary Nate Saint wrote this. As we weigh the future and seek the will of God, does it seem right that we should hazard our lives for just a few savages? As we ask ourselves this question, we realize it is the simple intimation of the prophetic word that there shall be some from every tribe in his presence in the last day. And in our hearts we feel that it is pleasing to him that we should interest ourselves in making an opening into the Aka prison for Christ. As we have had high, a high old time this Christmas, may we be moved with compassion as our Lord was. May we shed tears of repentance for these we have failed to bring out of darkness. Beyond the smiling scenes of Bethlehem, May we see the crushing agony of Golgotha. May God give us a new vision of his will concerning the lost and our responsibility. Father, we do just desire this. We pray this would be true for us, that you would give us a heart and a passion for your missionary effort to reach the world. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts that you reached us each of us who are together now with you and your family corporately because of the missionary effort that someone, some church, somewhere, somehow, uh, through a variety of means for each one of us, the gospel came to us. May we bring the gospel and be involved in bringing the gospel by going and sending to those, especially parts of the world that have never had a chance to hear, not even once. Your heart breaks for those people, and Lord, um, you are quickly bringing the world to yourself. There are less and less people groups each year who have not had a chance to hear. This is the greatest uh, missionary effort and time in the history of the world. May we share in it. It's the greatest harvest field and harvest time ever. Father, give us passion for your great commission. And show us, guide us, lead us, direct us individually and as a church how we can share in your great efforts reaching the world. That someday we too will stand in a crowd of people and look around and see those who have come because of our efforts, not ours, but you working through us. Lord, what a great joy. For Paul said, who is our joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? May that be true for each of us that we will share one day in a great joy that we'll have brought together many, many into your kingdom. For we ask these things for your honor and glory, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.